Yes, it is. So that would have been real bad. <laughs> oh boy, we were we were in John four last night. We're going to start there again today. Uh, I, if you weren't here last night, I, I would suggest you, if you haven't, go to Facebook uh, and listen. Also, I have a podcast uh, at Life in Christ Jesus. Dot pod bean. It's spelled P-O-D like a pot of grapes. Bean like a bean. B-E-A-N dot com. Life in Christ Jesus. Dot podbean dot com. Uh, right now it's it's been just me. There's going to be some uh, teachings also from uh, Brother Henry Stanley and uh, probably uh, as time goes some other ministers that we uh, associate with and fellowship with uh, as part of the ministry but the focus, uh, you know, I've been teaching for some time on the kingdom of God and out of the understanding the kingdom of God is within you and how the kingdom of God comes. I, I, I actually thought of getting into that here, but just feel like, you know, this, this morning I want to get back in what we did last night, a little bit of what we did last night. In John 4... Verse 4, and I'm really fast with the Scriptures because I have the Bible on the computer and I can turn to it really, really quick. So I, I've learned as time goes to try to slow down and let people get there because I can get way ahead of you. G, the Bible says, and he must needs pass through Samaria. Now I read a, primarily out of the American Standard Version. For years I read primarily King James. I, I read multiple translations. Uh, some people are King James only. I had a conversation with a, with a friend about that. And they suggested, and while I'm here, I don't know, but I'm going to share this with you. They suggested that King James was the only true translation. And I said, well, for 1,600 years, you mean there was no translation? If, you know, a lot of Christians don't understand that, that the King James Version of the Bible, and, I'm, and I love the King James Version, so I'm not against it, okay? So no one hear me wrong. I've read it probably through the years more than any version of the Bible, but it was written in the in 1600s, okay? That's 1600 years after, you know, the Lord had had come. So, so I, I said to the person that I was having the conversation with, I said, so for 1600 years there was no correct translation of the Bible in the earth. And we went on in the conversation. I said, did Peter and Paul and the apostles even speak English? Probably not. I can't say that for a fact, but they probably spoke Greek, Hebrew, and whatever. Maybe, maybe uh, I think Paul in one place, I know he was a Jew, but he also said he was a Roman if you study your Bible. So, so if you go back and you look, and why I'm here, I don't know, but, but if you question that, just question it with the Lord. I had to because I was a staunch King James-only preacher. If you met me in my early days, I would have told you that's the only true Bible, the only Bible I would read, and so forth. I would have told you that. I would have told you a lot of things different than what I tell you today. But what began to change my speech and my mind was an encounter with the Lord. It wasn't that 
Somebody came to me and said, this is the right teaching, this is the right understanding. It actually, God began, I began to have encounters, or an ongoing encounter of the Lord. And I'm for searching down to the, to the depth of the Word, which we'll probably do a little bit of today in a couple words. But John 4, verse 4, it says, And he must needs pass through Samaria. So he cometh to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There come, cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for the disciples were gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore saith unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, who am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now I want to ask you a question. What's the big deal about Samaria? You ever, do you know? There's a big deal about Samaria. And you have to get in your Bible and search it out. If you could go out to Wikipedia on the internet, and Samaria was is a Bible says is a historical and biblical name used for the central region of ancient land of Israel. Did you know that? Also known as Palestine, bordered by Galilee to the north and Judea to the south, and you know, I'll leave it there as far as that. And, it said, and then another place, it says, The name Samaria is derived from the ancient city of Samaria, the second capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. The name likely began being used for the entire kingdom not long after the town of Samaria had become Israel's capital. It is, the fir- it is first documented after its conquest by Sargon II of Assyria, who turned the kingdom into the province of Samarina. And then one last place, it says it was an ancient city in the land of Israel, it was the capital, like I said, of the northern kingdom. And I'll leave it there. And today it says, well, today it's under the jurisdiction of Israel Natural, National Parks Authority. Okay? So what was the big deal about the Jews and the Samaritans not getting along? Anybody know? It's in our Bibles, right? We read things like this that are in, their, in our Bibles, but, but much of the time we read right over it. We also read that Jacob's well was there. So if I start studying John 4, I could study Jacob's well. I could study Samaria. What, what the big deal is, is if you go back in the time of the kings of Israel, the kingdom split. You know that. There was, there was a divided kingdom. And one, of, one side of the kingdom was the kingdom of Israel. And the other side of the kingdom was the kingdom of Judah. So Samaria was part of the kingdom of Israel. Okay. So when Jesus had needs to go through Samaria... See, the Samaritan people were, were, were the Israelites, if you study your Bible, that, that Israel was a name given to the whole people. Now, how many know Israel was the name of a man, not, 
Not necessarily the land. You know that. You know, people have in their minds so much the land of Israel, and Canaan became the land of Israel. But Israel was whose name? Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and Israel means prince of God or to be as God. Go search it out. So, so, so Israel and, and, and Judah divided. And I said this last night. Was Judah way better than Israel? No. Why did, why did Judah, why was Israel carried away by Samaria and Judah was still around when Jesus came? Because it, it needed to be there because Jesus was coming out of Judah. He's the lion of what? The tribe of who? Judah. So he came out according to the flesh, born of a woman, born under the law, as part of Judah. So once Jesus come, and this is hard for people to, to comprehend, Judah may have served its purpose. <laughs> okay? Because its purpose was to bring forth the seed that God was after in the earth. So Jesus says He has needs to go to Samaria. And we read in uh, Isaiah 2, and, and we're going we're to touch this later uh, maybe, uh, but, but something we're going to touch later in, in Hebrews 8 actually. The, the Bible says in Hebrews 8, and I'm just going to put this out and we'll probably read it later, but the Bible says that God is going to establish another covenant, and I think that's directly out of Jeremiah, that with Judah... And Israel. Okay? So Jesus needed to go to Samaria, I believe, because they were Israelites. Now, at one point it says they were carried away by the Assyrians. So, so the Samaritan people may have not been Gentiles. We have an idea that they were. They may have been part Jew and part Gentile. You, you know, it's a lot to study out. There's, there's more to it than what you think. There's way more to it than what I think. And, and the beauty of being in relationship with the Lord and allowing the Lord to teach the Scripture is that He will keep adding to you. He'll keep bringing it. He'll keep showing it. He'll keep expanding what you think and what you believe. You won't, if you really come into that relationship where God becomes your teacher, you won't necessarily believe the same thing you've always believed. I'm going to tell you, you won't. I don't really want that old-time religion. I grew up in that old-time religion. I, I, there's parts of it I absolutely love. There's parts of it I absolutely believe. But there are other parts of it that God has, has replaced in my heart with divine truth and revelation of the Lord. And I'm after divine truth and revelation of the Lord. That's what I'm after. I don't care if He changes my whole thought process. I hope He does. Right? I really do. I, I'm open to, for God to change me, to change my mind, to change what I think. Because what I think may be wrong. Now come on down to in John 4. Go back to John 4. And Jesus is, is, you know, engaged with the woman here at the well. And she's told him this is Jacob's well. 
and and so forth. In in John four, let's see where I want to go to from where I was at. If I want to read on down or get down to verse twenty, and maybe for time's sake I'll get to verse twenty. But you should go read the the rest of it because Jesus tells her in this that if she had known the gift of God, she would have asked of Him what living water. But I want to get into verse 20, but you know, for time's sake, because I'll be too long if I read everything. You, and we were in this last night. Our, the woman says to Jesus, she perceived he was a, a prophet because he told her she had five husbands and the one she's with was not her own. So the woman says to Jesus, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Okay. What, what's a big deal about that? Again, the kingdom split. So in Samaria, they set up a place of worship. I read your Bible. And she tells Jesus, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say, that's what she says, you say, Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You say, Jesus says to her, woman, believe me. And I love this. This thing jumped out like a light at me not too long ago, the believe me part. Parts of it I've seen for years, but the believe me just jumped out. Notice what he said, believe me. Don't believe what everybody says. (laughs) Believe me. Jesus says, woman, believe me, the hour comes when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. Now, now you have ministers, and, and, and I'm not against them. I, I, I love them, so I'm not against them, but I'm going to point something out. You have ministers saying someday God's going to reestablish His kingdom in the physical Holy Land in the Middle East. Jesus says, what's Jesus say? He says, neither in this mountain nor where? In Jerusalem. So maybe the ministers are wrong. <laughs> you ever think of that? Maybe Jesus is right and they're wrong. Maybe He's got a greater understanding than, than just a piece of soul in the Middle East. Neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. And He tells the woman, says, you don't even know what you worship. You worship, you don't know what. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, from Judea, from Judah. You know why? Because he's salvation standing right in front of her, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So salvation is from the Jews, because he's salvation. For that purpose, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he's coming out of Judah. So salvation is of the Jews. He told him, that you worship, you know not what, but the hour comes. He just said, the hour's coming, but catch the next part of it. And when is it? And he said, and now is. When was now? When he came. He made it now. Is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such doth the Father seek to be His worshipers. God is a spirit. What is God? Spirit. A spirit. One place says God is love. Another place says God is light. 
God is a consuming fire. So, so all of those need to be studied out. God is a spirit. And you say you, you feel the spirit of the Lord. That's what God is. <laughs> okay, we're going to get on in this in a minute. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit, truth, like spirit and truth. And we'll stop right there. Well, we'll actually read the next verse. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, he that is called Christ, when he is come, he will declare unto us all things. What's he doing? He's declaring the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he, I'm the Messiah, I'm him. That's who I am. And I'm declaring now's the time, there's a transition going on where the true worshipers shall worship in spirit and truth. And the word worship. I want to, I want to just give you a couple of examples of these words and we're going to look at some things. The word worship is a Strong's number, and I, I look at the Strong's numbers a lot, 4352. If you don't have a Strong's concordance, I suggest you get one. Another uh, tool I use a lot is Bible Hub on the Internet. I go to Bible Hub a lot, and you can look up mostly any word. And you can go from, in Bible Hub, what's really neat, you can look up a word, then you go to the root of the word. In other words, where the, that word came from, then you can, and we're going to do that in a moment, and then you go to the root of that word. You can keep going. Trace it back. And it's powerful when you do that sometimes. The word worship means, in one sense, to kiss the ground when prostrating before a superior, to worship, to fall down, prostrate oneself, to adore on one's knees. Okay? So, so when he's talking about worship, he's talking about adoring, honoring the Lord. And the true worshipers are going to do that in spirit and truth. Not in carnality, but in spirit. Now, the word truth means truth. However, but not merely truth as spoken. It means truth of idea, of reality, of sincerity, truth in the moral sphere, divine truth revealed to man. That's what the word means. For example... In, in, right here's an example. In ancient Greek culture, the word was synonymously used for reality as the opposite of illusion. So it was used for the reality. So when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, He could be saying, I'm the reality. Okay? And, and, you got, and it comes from a word... Where's it at? At least I thought it, yeah. From 227. And it means unconcealed. Unconcealed. Catch this. True. True in fact. Truthful. But I love that part, unconcealed. Now, I told you. Now, that word comes from two words. Alpha. No. But alpha, that's good. And another word that means... Where's it at here? Uh, to be hid. 
Okay? So, so when I come, come to the root of truth, and I start down the road, I come to, you, you know, if I just read, I'm the truth, the reality, he's dealing with something that was hid. He's the reality of something hid. Okay? So what was hid? Now let's, just for time's sake, let's turn over to Hebrews 8.1. And then we're going to flip back to Exodus I'll tell you this, so as you're flipping, as we flip out of this, flip back to Exodus 40. But Hebrews 8.1 says, in, Now, in the things which we are saying, the chief point is this, we have such a high priest who sat down on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the truth. Notice what he calls it the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifice, wherefore it was necessary that this high priest also have somewhat to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest of all. So, so seeing there are those who offer gifts according to the law, who serve that which is a copy and shadow of heavenly things. Notice this. What the writer's saying is that in the old covenant was a copy and a shadow. A type. The Bible, the whole old covenant deals with types and shadows. It's, it's illustrating a truth, but it's not the truth. It was used by God for the time present till the truth came. And Jesus said, hey, I'm it. I'm the truth. I'm the reality. But what does that mean? It's got a whole lot more meaning. I mean, I mean, in, in basic Pentecostal teaching, we've used that just to simply mean getting saved. It's, he's the true way to God. And that's true. So I'm not taking away from that. I'm just adding, expanding it. So there's more to it, and that's absolutely true. No man cometh to the Father but by Him. There's salvation in another. I preach nothing but Jesus. I believe in nothing but Him. So I'll be plain with you. So He's it. But in Him is a whole lot more to understand than I used to understand. A whole lot more to know. So, so I, I look back at the types of shadows. So flip back to Exodus 40. Verse 34. Because we're talking about a place of worship. So when God brought Israel out of Egypt, what did He do? He brought them to a place of worship. The tabernacle. And He brought them to a very specific, not just a place of worship, they, worshiped, they had a specific ordinance. They didn't just worship any way they wanted you know that? The priests didn't do anything they wanted. They had specific jobs in the tabernacle and in the temple. But here in Exodus 40, it said, Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle. Where was God at? How many knows the word Lord in King James, when you see it in some translations, it will be capital L-O-R-D, means Jehovah. And that word means the self-existing one. So, so the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 
And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of meeting because the cloud abode thereon. And the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the children of Israel went on throughout all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. So where was God at with Israel? For the cloud, listen to verse 3, for the cloud of Jehovah, the cloud was Jehovah, of Jehovah, was upon the tabernacle by day, and there was fire therein by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journey. So God wasn't way up in the sky, and Israel way down on the ground. See, that concept has got in man's minds that God is way away from us. He was right there in Israel as what? A cloud and a fire. He led them out of Israel. Moses just didn't come and say, hey, we're going to leave. <laughs> no, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And you know we, we know the story. God appeared. The Lord appeared to Moses. What the Bible says? So He appeared and He come to them and He was with them. So when they come to the tabernacle or to the temple, the presence of God, they were coming to the presence of God. So, so when, I, when you read a lot of the Psalms, they can take on way more meaning if you see this. That, that the Israelites, when they were before the first temple was torn down, the glory cloud of God abode in the house. Alright? So, so in 1 Kings, for example, 1 Kings 8, I want to give you two examples. 1 Kings 8, 1. Well, I, I won't read it all. I, I'll just start because of time, verse 10. Come down to verse 10, but you should go back and read that. Read this chapter of your Bible. It says, And it came to pass as when, when Solomon built the temple, or had the temple built. He brought the furniture from the tabernacle, and he moved it into the temple. And I think what your tabernacle and temple may represent is, is a moving presence of God into a permanent, permanent settlement. Okay? So, so when he, he had built the temple, and it says, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of Jehovah. Here again is the cloud filling the house of Jehovah. Now, now let me let me throw this out at you to think. And it, and it says the priests again could not enter into ministry because of the cloud, for the glory of Jehovah filled the house of Jehovah. So God was there. Let me throw this in. When Jesus said, "Hereafter the Son of Man shall come in the glory of the Father," if I go search my Bible, because that's where I'm going to tell you to go. The glory of the Father had a lot to do at times. I'm not saying this is all it had to do with. It probably has a whole lot more that I've not seen. But it had a lot to do with God filling the temple. Okay, The glory of God would come fill the house. So Jesus may have been saying, just to throw it out here, I'm going to come fill the house. That may have been why the high priest was wanting to kill Him. Because when He said that, He said, I'm Jehovah God. I'm going to come fill my house. Alright? And see, 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 and we don't understand that, and so we read that and we say, well, Jesus, the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of the Father. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you? Did you read God is the Spirit? 
Have you read what Paul said? Now the Lord is what? That Spirit. What Lord is he talking about? The Bible says there's one Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. So, so now, so then, may it be that the Son of Man has come in the glory of His Father and filled His house. May that be the truth. But see, because Jesus said to them, said, no longer are we going to worship God in Jerusalem or in, or in Samaria. Are you going to worship the Father? But you're going to worship Him in spirit and truth. And see, see, how do I dig this out? I have to dig it out. I have to dig it out of the Word. I have to allow the Spirit of God to take me in the Word. Or I'm just going to quote the Scripture and not know what it means. And I'll throw my own meaning on it. And, and, and I did that as a Pentecostal minister. I was ordained Pentecostal holiness minister, so I'm not against Pentecostal ministers. I grew up in it. I, I, I don't claim to be any denomination. I, I told people one time, they asked me what church I went to, I said, I go to the Church of Jesus Christ. They said, where is that at? Now, as young men, if, I, if it was now, I'd probably be real bold and say, that's in heaven, honey. That's in the spiritual realm. That ain't a place, in, that ain't a street. I, I, it's not an address, Statesville, North Carolina, Culpeper, Virginia. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not in Samaria. It's in the Spirit of God. Now I worship God in my spirit with His Spirit, not my natural hands. Now, now I want to be careful saying this because people here that say, well, I don't need to come to fellowship. Yes, you do. You do even more because you're getting understanding from the Lord. If somebody's feeding you truth and understanding, I'll be honest with you, you should, you should probably come in the door every time it opens. Not, but not from the concept I have to go to church. You're changing concepts because you are the church. So the place of worship is spirit and truth. Not just, not just that I feel the Spirit of God. See, see, because we didn't, we didn't come through Pentecost, we love that. And I'm all about feeling the Spirit of God. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't. So for that. But, but now, God wants to move you on into truth. Right? So He gave us the Spirit. Jesus said the Spirit was going to teach us. Was going to do what? You know, you know, Pentecostals, and again, I grew up in Pentecost, so I've shouted, I've ran, I've, I've danced. I'm trying to think if I've ran. I've danced, I know that. i said that, but I'm trying to think. I probably have. I've done all kinds of things, and, and they've been real good, and I loved them, and I'm not against them. I, I think sometimes deeper life people need to get a little shout back in, their, back in their walk. So I'm all for shouting. I'm all for dancing in the Lord. I'm all for all these things. But, but... That wasn't all the Spirit was given for, that He should teach you all things. How much? Well, Matthew 24 says you can't know. Then, then if you, I'll throw this out at you to consider. John and Paul wrote they knew in their writings. What happened in, from the time Jesus said Matthew 24, just to think. And then John and Paul's writings, the Holy Ghost had come. 
See, see, it could be as simple as you couldn't know till the Spirit came. Search it out. So now the Holy Ghost has come to teach us all the things of God. We're not to be ignorant anymore. Ignorance is not a bad word. Ignorant means you don't know. You know, we've made it in the English language in America a bad word, but it really means you don't know. So to be ignorant and unlearned means I don't, I don't have the right understanding. But see, but see, somewhere God's people have to realize God wants you to know. He doesn't want you to sit there with no understanding. So, so how do I get to know? I've got to get in the Word. I have to listen. If Brother Jack preaches something I don't understand, I've got to search it out. I don't just come in and listen to Brother Jack. And, and then next Sunday listen to him again, and the next Sunday listen to him again. If I'm, if I'm a member of this congregation, I should take notes. I should write it down. You know, in Pentecost, we almost were taught, or at least some of the Pentecost, you don't need to take notes. Well, you probably do. Take notes, write it down, set before the Lord, ask Him, take the Word of God, and let Him reveal His Word. He wants to. He, he doesn't have a few super saints that He's revealing His Word to and everybody else that's not for them. It's for the body of Christ. Glory to God. So here we see that God came in that temple and dwelled there. Now I'm just going to throw this out to you. Search it out. That temple's destroyed. You ever read that? I believe Nebuchadnezzar comes in and destroys it and takes the articles of furniture. And then under King Cyrus and another king, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, Artaxerus, something like that. I'd have to have it in front of me and I don't to halfway pronounce it. There's a brother that says something that uses his name. He says, Artaxerxus. And he says it's somewhat comical, but they move in their heart to go back and rebuild the temple. Okay? So, so they go back to Jerusalem because the temple's built in Jerusalem. So God's habitation is in Jerusalem. And they come back in and rebuild the temple, but I can't find in my Bible where the Ark of the Covenant came back into that second temple. You know that. You know that that according to reading the Scripture, I can't find that the ark came back into the second temple. I don't remember where it says the glory cloud filled the second temple. Now think on that. There's something to that. Now, Now turn to Matthew 23 for a second, and then we're going to turn to John 2. Sometimes I, I try to calm down and teach because I want to preach, man. I love to preach. And as time has went on, I, I'm learning that I need to teach because I can preach like a freight train and just let it go. But here's Jesus in Matthew 23:36. Start there. He says, Verily, I say unto you, all things shall come upon this. Generation. Now, a lot of I'm just going to throw this out at you. A lot of preachers will say that he means the generation today. No, 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 no. 
He's speaking specifically to the generation that was standing right there with him. And he says, so all these things he said is going to come upon that generation. And I said this last night, you know how many years from the time of his ministry, right around the time of the cross, I believe it was, and I'm, I'm not as good as some brothers in this, so some brothers have went through the timeline. From, from the time he, he made these uh, statements was around A.D. 30. You know why that's significant? Because A.D. 70, guess what happened? That second, te- the Herod's temple, which was, which they had taken and Herod had taken and beautified and made this glorious building, was destroyed by the Roman army. Okay, do you know that? Guess how many years that was? Forty. You know how many years the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness? Forty. And God called them a wicked generation, an evil generation. So when Jesus is speaking of a generation, I believe He's speaking of a 40-year period given to old Jerusalem. Not today's generation. See, it's, it's, it's awful we even say that. I don't even want to be a part of that generation because that generation was, the, the judgment of God was coming upon that generation. It came upon them. Go read history. Man, people are preaching this is getting ready to come. And I want to say, if you ever read history, if you'll crack your history book, you'll find that Rome utterly destroyed Jerusalem. And you'll also find out, according to one of the historians, and maybe more, I'm trying to think of his name, he was a Jewish historian that the Romans captured. He wrote, uh, that I, for whatever reason, his name, if you just Google it, it'll, it'll pull up his name. But he wrote the, the War of the Jews. He wrote all about that, that area of history. And in, in some of the writings, they said the Christians fled Jerusalem. You know why they fled Jerusalem? Because Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, get out. People preaching that today. That already happened. They already fled. They got out. Paul was a Jew. The apostles, the early apostles were Jews. I believe all 12 of them. So even when you go back and you read in, in, in the prophets, they talk about the remnant seed of, of, of the Jews being saved. The first Jews, the first Christians were Jews. Could that possibly have been the remnant seed instead of someday out in the future? I'm telling you, it possibly was. Probably was. I could get even bolder. But study, that's why it's so important to study the Bible. That it's not a getting a 30-minute sermon or a 15-minute sermon and, and feeling good and going home. You shall know what? The truth. So if I don't know the truth, if I've got something inside of me that's questioning things, right? Then, then I probably don't know the truth. And the truth shall do what to you? Make you free. <laughs> Glory to God. And that's where God wants you to walk. He wants you, you to give an answer to someone. Not to take them to Brother Jack. Brother Jack ain't with you all the time. So he wants you to, brother. He wants to fill your mouth. 
Alright. So that means there's some requirements upon your shoulder, but the beauty of that is you get to participate with the Lord. You're participating with Him. Why? Because He's in you. See, when Jesus made those, uh, you know, now getting back to this, when Jesus made this statement, well, I, I've got to read this first. Forgive me. Verily I say to you, all these things should come upon this, genera- this generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that kills the prophets. Who killed the prophets? Jerusalem. And stone of them that are sent unto her, how often would I gather thy children together, even as a hen doth gather her chickens under her wings, and you would not? Behold, your house is left, what? Desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Guess who comes in the name of the Lord and they see by the body of Christ? Just leave that alone for now. When Jesus walked out of that temple, I, I, I believe this. When he walked into that temple there, the Ark of the Covenant walked in. Like I said, I can't find where the Ark of the Covenant was in the second temple. Guess what? Jesus shows up. What was in the Ark? The Word of God. Right? Was the Word of God not in the Ark of the Covenant? What was in Jesus' mouth? We, we, we studied this last night. That's why it's important to go back and read last night because this is just building on last night. I don't want to go through everything I did last night. But the Word of God was in His mouth. He was the Word made flesh. But the Word of God, as He's up on the earth, so when He walks in that temple, there are... See, man? When He leaves and said, Now it's left to you desolate. See, whenever that ark was carried away in the Old Testament, what happened to Israel? They were in trouble, weren't they? Go back and read the history. When the ark was not with them, that ark represented the presence of God. When that ark moved away from them, they were in a lot of trouble. The thing of it is, the ark is with us and we don't understand it. Glory to God. So now, so that, that temple become desolate. No longer was that physical temple God's dwelling place. No more. Now, now turn to John 2. John 2. Jesus says to him, John 2, you know, he goes in and he whips those that are bought and sold in the temple. And he tells them to take the, the things out of the temple, right? You've read the story. And he, and he says, Jesus said unto them, destroy this temple. All right? What temple is he talking about? He wasn't talking about that physical building. He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. Now what did they say? The Jews said, therefore said, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building. <laughs> Took 46 years, Jesus. And you're going to raise it in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body because God was dwelling in Christ. You realize how many times Jesus Jesus told them, it's recorded in John 8, that He that sent me is word with me. He said in John 14, we read it last night, that the Father in me. We're at in me. Where was God at when Christ was in the earth? In Him. God was in Christ. Paul wrote, God was in Christ reconciling the world 
to Himself. So God is in Christ and, and Jesus says, destroy this temple and three days I'm going to raise it. Now, now I want to tie a couple things together. In Matthew, when, when, when the Spirit of the Lord showed Peter the Christ, He said, Thou art the Son of the living God. And He said, Have flesh and blood have not shown, shown thee. Jesus says, Upon this rock, I will build my church. What's so significant about that rock? Well, if I go back to Isaiah 28, God speaks by Isaiah, and He says, Behold, I lay what? In Zion, a stone, a chief cornerstone. So now He's laying in Zion a stone, and Jesus said that the true worshipers shall worship God in spirit and in truth. So now the stone of the building of the house of God is Christ Himself, and not another brick or, not, or a natural stone building another house for God's people to come in. For Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says, Christ as a son, Hebrews 3, as a son over his own house, whose house you are. Hello, house of God. God doesn't need to come back to the Middle East to build another house. He laid a stone in Zion. Zion is speaking of the spiritual or the high place of God and the, the, the mind of the Spirit. So, so the writer of Hebrews, I can't turn every place or we'd be here all day. The writer of Hebrews says, you have come to Mount Zion. Did you get in an airplane and fly to the Middle East? How did you come there? You come in there by the Spirit. See, John says in the book of Revelation that he was carried away by the Spirit and he saw the mountain of God. He saw in that mountain of God is Mount Zion. And the writer of Hebrews says that's where you come. To Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You know he says you come to the heavenly Jerusalem? Not your coin. You've got, but instead of ministering that earth, we're, we're ministering, we're going to go there. See, see, we may be ministering, you, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're not seeing the reality. We're still wanting to see the type. See, that's why I'm the way, truth, and life has so much meaning to it. He said, I'm the reality. Now the true worshipers are going to worship God in an understanding of spirit. So what we're going to understand is, is the house that He's built. I can show you writing after writing of Paul saying this. Do you know that? Turn to Peter, First Peter 2. I'll give you a couple more scriptures. First Peter 2, verse 3. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, Unto whom come? Who have you come to? The Lord. So He's not far away from you. He's not in outer space. <laughs> Jesus said that day when the Holy Ghost comes, you're going to understand, you're going to comprehend, you're going to know I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am where? In you. 
So you've come to the Lord and you've tasted of the Lord and you did that all by the Spirit. And to whom coming, a li- what is He? A living stone. Rejected indeed of men, but with God, elect precious. Ye also as living stones, lively stones, the King James says, living stones. He calls you stones. That's what He called Peter, a stone. Cephas. You are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Because it's contained in the Scripture. I, I quoted you this Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be put to shame. For you therefore that believe is, is the preciousness, but for such as disbelieve the stone which the builders rejected, the same was made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, for they stumble at the word. Being disobedient, whereby they are called, whereunto they are called. He goes on to say, but you are elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may show forth the excellences of Him who have called you out of darkness, as, as Brother Jack was singing, I was in darkness, now I'm where? In light. We, most of the, of the time we're talking that we're in darkness. We're, we're speaking contrary to the truth. I was in darkness. Paul wrote, you were darkness. Now are ye the light of the Lord. So, so, so now you are His house. Turn to Ephesians 2. So if we're His house, why does He need to build a house in the Middle East? Anybody answer that question? I'd like to ask some of the ministers that teach that, say, well, if, if what Paul wrote is true, if what Peter wrote is true, if what the writer of Hebrews wrote is true, why are we looking for God to build another house? Why? People told us for years, God's going to build another temple. Why? You're the temple. He built this one in Christ. See, because in Christ was where God was dwelling. And Jesus said, destroy this temple, speaking of His body. Three days I'll raise it again. And when He raised Himself from the dead, what happened to you when you, when you received Him? You come into Him. And Paul wrote, now you are the body of Christ. So if, so if the body of Christ was the temple He was talking about, and now you're the, now you're the body of Christ, then now you're the temple of God. Ephesians 2, <clears throat> verse, I don't know, verse 19. You are no more strangers, I got choked, <clears throat> and sojourners, but you're fellow citizens, fellow citizens with the saints, and of what? The household of God, being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the chief cornerstone. Here it is again. Here's the chief cornerstone again. In whom? Everybody in here say, in whom? In whom several, several buildings, this translation says. The King James says, if you've got the King James, I'll read that. All the building, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom, this is in Christ, in whom you are building. Who is building? You are. 
Why are you building for a habitation of God through the Spirit? God, what we start reading, God is what? Spirit. And now He's habitating you. He's not habitating a house in the Middle East. He's habitating you, whether you're in the Middle East or Statesville or wherever, who have come to the knowledge of the Son of God. That's who He's habitating. So, so when Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions, or, or according to the translation, many boats, can He be speaking about this house instead of buildings in the sky? You ever thought about that? Because you're the many dwelling places of God. The Bible says there are many members, but one body. See, Jesus said that where I am there, you may be also. Now, He was going to come and receive us to Himself. What, what, what does He say? Go on and you read that whole chapter. I know what people teach there because I probably taught it myself. But if you read the whole chapter, He says when the Holy Ghost comes, you're going to know something. And I quoted earlier, I am in my Father. So you're going to know where He's at. He's in the Father. In Him. God is Spirit. So Jesus is in the Spirit. You are where? In me. And I am in you. So if I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, would I be where He is? Yes. But, but brother, ain't some guy. But nothing. We understand by the Spirit of God. We don't under, see, see, we try to understand what Jesus said by our natural reasoning. And you can't do it. It won't make sense. And, that's what, and why, why is this important? Because God's people are living so far below what He's called them. He's not called you to live in misery in the earth. See, see we, we sing a song, and, and I pick on this song, and you know, I grew up with it, so I can't. I grew up with it. So, so I'm picking, I try to pick on you, okay? I use it for an example. We sing a song, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 3, You are dead, your life is in with Christ and God. Which one's true? Yeah, come on. <laughs> see, we're singing not even proof. For you are dead. How'd you get dead? Nobody shot you. Nobody ran over you. Nobody did anything like that to you. You were crucified, Apostle Paul said, with him. So when he died, Paul said, you died. So your life was over. And what you received was his life. Man, that makes me want to just jump up and down. Now he's my life. So my flesh and blood doesn't dictate my life anymore. He does. He's my life. So yeah, it changes my speech. It changes my song. It changes the way I preach. It changes it all. And, I, and I'm like, my God, this is so good. I wish I could pour it down every believer's heart. Wish I could just take it out like a bucket of water and just pour it down their mouth. Because it's good. I said this last night. I, 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 you know, you hear, you, I, I grew up, like I said, I'm not trying to pick on Pentecostals because I, I, I grew up in a mind. By, by, by that, I'm one of them. So I'm not trying to pick on 
communicate a couple of things with you. There's a I, I know a lot of people 